Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthews, Spencer Cowan here with you tonight. We're previewing Speed Weeks 2019. Great news, the entry list has officially been released from NASCAR. About 40 minutes ago, there are now 42 entries on the the 2500 entry list. We'll dive into that a little bit. There should be 44. There's a couple of teams that we feel like will enter here in the next couple of days that will uh, be down in Daytona here as the weekend comes along. We'll also talk about the sanctioning body. They've announced a couple of announcements this week. One is that they will no longer uh, penalize cars in the NASCAR R&D Center and also potentially take away wins if a winner is disqualified. So that should be something to keep in. Uh, we're going to talk about as well. It's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Also, this new drafting package, a lot of people thought it would have uh, a new qualifying format for NASCAR this year. That's not the case. They're going to stick with group qualifying and let the draft happen. We'll give our opinions on that. Also, of course, we've got a big weekend in front of us with Daytona 500 qualifying. And also, we have uh, the, the Advanced Auto Parts Clash at Daytona. The ARCA race we'll dive into a little bit as well. 917-889-8280 here on Talking Circles tonight. Call that number anytime you can join the show here with Clayton Coldwell, Philip Matthew, and Spencer Cowan here on Talking Circles. So first, guys, the big news of the week that made everybody real happy was the fact that NASCAR has announced they will now uh, look – if a car fails post-race inspection at the racetrack, they will do post-race inspection at the racetrack. It should take about 90 minutes, they think, uh, post-race inspection. If a car fails that or a truck fails that post-race inspection, they will lose the victory. They will take the win away, something NASCAR has not done consistently. Uh, so they will take the win away and put them in the last spot and give the win to the second-place car, shall that car – uh, pass post-race inspection. Philip Matthew, give your opinion on this first. Uh, a lot of people have been clamoring for this for years. What are your thoughts on on the fact that NASCAR uh, will take the win away for a car that fails post-race inspection? Well, Clayton, uh, I see it as, I mean, it's progress in a sense. Uh, I do believe that it's been something where the fans in general have been looking for uh if somebody fails post-race tech, that they really should lose the race uh, as well. It isn't an issue in other sports because they do take away wins or they take away points. The issue with NASCAR in general over the years has been their inspection procedures and how they execute penalties. I have two terms that I always use with NASCAR, selective enforcement and consistently inconsistent. And if they're going to execute this new procedure and they go and really do take away a win and they take away a win from Chase Elliott or or Kyle Busch or name the driver, that's a, you know, legit big time Kevin Harvick. But Mm -hmm. the Kevin Harvick penalty with the flexing window last year would have been, he would have lost the race victory. my thing is, we'll see. I, I, I will. We will see what happens because I don't trust NASCAR's inspection process. I haven't really seen their process as being all that great for a long time. I don't believe that it's transparent. I think transparency is a major problem, and uh, mm-hmm. they can say that they're gonna really go and hunker down and just like uh, fine and knock somebody off of a race win. We'll see what happens. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's been very inconsistent at times. And something I want to talk, touch on, and it's something that's interesting. Um, and, and listen, this is reality. I've been clam- listen. I'll, I'll be the first to say I've been clamoring for this for a long time. I think we should take wins away if a car fails inspection. Uh, I think it's stupid that you know we're we're so um, we inspect these cars at such a tight tolerance that we let them get away with certain things and they get to keep the win. It didn't make a lot of sense. But there's a couple of yeah. things to keep in mind here. You know, the Daytona 500 is next week. Austin Dillon, he won that race in dramatic fashion. And uh, it, it was it was very um, controversial how he did it. But let's say that car turned up illegal. And with all the celebration in the in the grass and all that, it kind of makes you sit there and go, Ugh, that doesn't really look that great. Same thing with with now that we cha- uh, crown our championship at Homestead Miami Speedway. You know, it's possible that a champion, whoever wins or runs better um, at Homestead, could possibly be get inspection and fail post race inspection, and then all of a sudden you have a PR kind of disaster. So that's something I think NASCAR wanted to avoid, but I think they're willing to risk the risk it here. And Spencer, here's where I'll let you chime in. This is where I have a problem. They're still going to allow people and drivers to um, do burnouts at the end of these races. And, you know, we inspect these cars with a laser, that tight of a tolerance, and now they're going to let the, continue to let these drivers who win races burn out and tear up their rear quarter panels, and those cars will pass inspection. It just makes you kind of look a little funky. What are your thoughts on the whole inspection deal here, Spencer, uh, that NASCAR announced this week? I think it's definitely the right direction for NASCAR. Um, you know, if you don't match up to the books, you, you, I mean, in my eyes, you don't deserve the win. There's, there's numbers and boundaries for a reason. And if you cheat in any sport, should you be able to win? No, I don't know if you guys watch NASCAR race hub, but, um, Austin Dillon made a great point. Second and third place matter. And as soon as he said that, I started thinking, if you are in third place and you are close enough to the second place guy, I can guarantee you this year we will see tough racing between the second and third place guy, even though they don't have a shot to win. The third place guy will want to get second because he knows if he gets second, he doesn't know if that guy in first is going to pass post-race inspection. Therefore, if he doesn't, he wins the race. If not, well, he finishes second, not third. So I think you'll see better racing between third and fourth, just in case, you know, the front guy does not pass inspection. I mean, if your measurement's off, how do we know if that little bit of measurement's going to help you win the race? It may not have helped you, but we don't know that. So for them to do this, you know, you cheat. You you don't deserve the trophy. You need to go back to the field and try not to screw up next week. Yeah, for sure. And, Philip, how do you feel about that? I mean, I'm I'm an old school fan. I won't come out and admit this. I mean, I think burnouts are kind of, you know, childish. But I understand the fans who like them, and it's not something that I'm going to sit there and complain and go crazy about because they're doing burnouts at the end of races. Does to me look a little bit gimmicky, uh, a little bit odd that we again we inspect these cars pre-race with the tolerance of a laser where. It could probably pick up if you're one eightieth of an inch too uh, high on on your on your rear spoiler or something like that. It can pick that up, but yet we're letting teams and drivers at the end of these races tear up their rear corner panels. 
I, I'm not so sure how I feel about that. What do you think about that, Philip? Yeah, I mean, it's a great point. Like Spencer's point about what Austin said and the racing, I, I, I see where we're coming from there, and it hopefully will add to that. I also see that I'm old school just like you, Clayton, and I always loved now Hall of Famer Alan Kowicki did the Polish victory lap, and all he did was drive around and acknowledge the fans. It'll, no burnouts, nothing like that. There's burnouts, like everyone looks at Alex Bernardi in IndyCars, obviously going off topic, but he did donuts, and that donuts, donuts. And then that was cool, but he wasn't blowing tires out. People can do burnouts without having to b- blow tires out. I think the reality is a lot of these teams go to that extreme because there's, you know, they they don't – it's one thing maybe they don't care, but the other thing is like they're trying to hide something reality is now, you know, yeah, they'll, they'll do burnouts, but they can do burnouts without having to blow the tires off the back of it. Uh, and and I think now that there is this extra tolerance and having to actually get your car inspected, I believe it's going to make some of these teams that have been pushing the boundaries, uh, most notably the former 78 car, now most all those people are now at the 19. Uh, the four car and, uh, you know, the 18 amongst others, the ones that have been really pushing those limits, they're going to have to watch. And furthermore, I I really don't get how in some ways a car passes, they can get through pre-race, but not post-race, how they allow people who fail pre-race tech like three, four times, don't you know it's like it's it shouldn't even be about qualifying and suspending the car chief it's called suspend the crew chief suspend the car chief there should be higher penalties for not being able to have a car intolerance when you go through inspection the first time uh during the weekend uh a lot of these teams push those limits and it, it got ridiculous and they don't have they don't have good enough pr to actually explain or promote this thing properly so i mean hopefully it means that this process will be streamlined it'll mean that there will be uh, a greater focus on being, quote, legal, end quote. Uh, but to be determined, Daytona's always been known for having uh, random stuff happen. It's mm-hmm. gone on for years. So we'll see at Daytona, and I'm more curious as much as Daytona. I'm curious about the following week at Atlanta, the first uh, the first era of this, what do you call, cookie cutter and first race with the new aero engine package yeah it's going to be wild i mean uh it's just something we never seen before and i think it's a apparently it was directive from jim france which is great um it sort of gets people back to the grassroots of racing where you look at it and say when i go to my local short track you know i remember years ago uh i can't even remember the year but it's probably like 2013 chase elliott won the snowball derby and then they found a piece of tungsten that was either too heavy or too light in his race car and he got the wind taken away from him and it went to somebody else um, and so that's kind of like grassroots and, and this is an angle I want to talk about too. You know, I think a lot of people, what NASCAR, what made NASCAR so hesitant about going to this extreme is something I talked about earlier, where it kind of looks kind of crazy where you sit there and go, well, we took a vic- we took a guy took pictures in victory lane. A guy went to victory lane. We tore down his car and guess what? He's no longer the winner. But I think they also felt and Brian France touched on this a lot, Spencer, that the fans should know who the winner is when they leave the racetrack. But I felt like that was a very old-school mentality. Sure, 1999, 
that doesn't make that makes a lot of sense because you sit there and you go, well, you know, they leave the racetrack, they go home, they kind of forget about the race. They can read it in the papers the next day, but it might not be till four o'clock and they're like, oh my gosh, I was at the race, I didn't realize they took the win away. But now with social media, now with Sirius XM NASCAR radio, you could find that stuff out in instant. Uh, as soon as as they announced to the press that you know whoever uh, failed post race inspection is no longer declared the winner, they'll know. Um, you'll know. But I, here's where I get a little bit concerned. Again, I'm all for this. I love it. Where we saw last year with qualifying, and, and Philip talked about it earlier, how qualifying was was kind of a, at times kind of crazy. I believe it was Pocono last year where we had what 13 cars not make a time. So when we get to a point where we have not just one, not just two cars, but like three or four cars fail post-race inspection for little off tolerances, then you're getting a little crazy. So um, it's just all this is, is stuff to keep in mind, Spencer, as, as we move forward with this process. Number seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero here talking in circles. Clayton Caldwell, Spencer Cowan. Philip Matthew here tonight. Uh, also, they talked about the group qualifying format, guys. There was a lot of talk with, with the new rule package and the dependence on drafting at all these racetracks that the, the group qualifying session and going out um, really whenever you want would sort of be neglected. What they, would, they would do away with it because they didn't want these uh, cars and these teams to get an unfair advantage because they went and drafted with somebody. Well, that's not the case. Uh, they are going to keep group qualifying, and Scott Miller said, quote, they are in show business, that, end quote. That's what he said about qualifying and the group qualifying. Uh, Philip, as an old-school fan, how do you feel about this? I mean, personally, uh, I, I was a little – I didn't really care for that comment about show business, but what are your thoughts on group qualifying? Yeah, I mean, Scott Miller has – he never really was a big talker when he was Jeff Burton's crew chief back in the day. And the more he speaks, being a NASCAR talking head, we realize why uh, he's generally unaware um, of who he's. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess he's marketing to the to a specific segment, but he's not marketing to people who watch the sport for. 20 plus years like you or I and uh, the, the, the whole point of oh it's show bit let's, let's be clear on something this whole group qualifying deal single car qualifying is like watching paint dry watching the Daytona 500 qualifying is her- watching plate qualifying was horrendous and still is horrendous doing single car qualifying Every, virtually any other racing series that mainly road racing they use group qualifying and it works the issue with the aerodynamics and possible drafting, uh, the Las Vegas test showing that the cup cars were actually slower than Xfinity cars, uh, which the last time I can think of that being the case at a racetrack was like 2001 Daytona 500 when they had that weird aero package on the cup cars relative to the Bush cars. The trucks have a ton of drag, and you never see them going out there and running in packs. I don't believe that's going to be the case in cup qualifying when they get to Atlanta or Las Vegas because there's so much aero dependence because they made that. They basically engineered these cars out to a way where you can only run by yourself. 
I don't think that's the problem. I also think that the narrowing of the the rounds, making the rounds much shorter, meaning there's going to be a quicker, it's going to be a much tighter session per se, instead of being like a two and a half hour deal, it'll probably be two hours or an hour and a half, I think is good. The It's to be determined. It's just like how we talked about the new Aero package last week on the show. It's to be determined how it's really going to work. The whole show business thing, 12 people are probably, there's going to be 1,000, 500 people maybe at Atlanta next week total, you know, to go and watch qualifying. Nobody, let's be honest, it's not that big of a deal. There's going to, the most fans you're going to get for a qualifying session depends on the day of the race, the day of the qualifying relative if there's another race. If there's qualifying on the day of an Xfinity or a truck race, you're going to get at least a decent draw. But otherwise, if it's like a Friday afternoon qualifying session or Saturday at butt crack of dawn, it's not, you're not drawing anybody. I don't care what show business you're watching. Nobody's right. going to watch freaking qualifying. And here's, here's my issue with this. And, and, you know, there's always pros and cons to everything. Um, it cer- certainly could be entertaining. But when, when they did group qualifying back at Daytona and Talladega years ago, um, it, it was pretty much you went out as, as a race team or as alliances. For, so all the RCR line cars went out and ran with each other. All the Hendrick Motorsports line cars went out and ran with each other. All the Fords, uh, at that time it was probably Roush and, and Front Row Motorsports, all ran with each other. And that leaves you going, well, what about if they, we get into a situation where there's over 40 cars and a team goes home because they don't have anybody to draft with? That's where I get a little bit you know, wonky on it there, Spencer, uh, is the fact that I don't want to see somebody – not draft and not turn a fast time because they don't have a teammate or they're not a part of a big organization. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I see where you're coming from, but I mean, if a team wants to work together, then they want to work together. I mean, I guess when it comes down to that, you just have to find the same manufacturer and try to squeeze in somewhere and, or try to just stay at the tail end of their, their group that they got. But I mean, I don't see a problem with it. If a team wants to work together, then, you know, a team wants to work together, but I do see where you're coming. It's not really fair, but I mean, we can't really stop that. I don't think NASCAR can say, oh, your organization organization can't work together, but I mean, just try to find the same, uh, same manufacturer and get in somewhere, I guess. Yeah. And, and I think it's also something guys, when you look at this and you say group qualifying, uh, what if somebody blows the right front tire, blows the tire and takes out, um, you know, 20 cars because they're all in the draft. And it, is that something we really want to see in qualifying uh, where they're not really getting paid at that point? Right. It has happened. And so it's restored in a couple of years ago in the Daytona right. 500 qualifying. Yeah. The right rear fender busted on his car and he had some, he had that John Cohen car and he sat at the front of the draft, took out Clint Boyer and about three other cars. Clint Boyer's right And then ready you had, you had 2013, uh, you had when Ricky Stenhouse missed the race and, and Talladega. Justin Allgaier or something at Talladega and Tony Stewart had to take the past champions provisional or that, yeah, because they had the weird group qualifying. So we've seen, and it's really 
basically at those two racetracks, which we're not going to do it at. So we kind of know that they're not going to, I mean, if it it works out anything like it worked out at either of those places, it's going to be funny. That's for sure. It will, it'll be entertaining. It won't be entertaining for some of the teams that go home uh, that especially the non-charter, I mean, the non-charter teams that go home because they're not making any money anyway doing this. Right. And that's where I think I look at it and say, I like focusing on racing strictly if you're the best car, you win. You have the best team, you win that day. And, and uh, I don't really like the gimmicks. And this is sort of, I guess those words and that comment kind of made me kind of sit there and go, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not entirely in love with the direction that they want to go. Because while they, he's, to a point, I understand what he's saying, where you have to be entertained. Uh, they want to make it more entertaining you still have to keep the integrity of your sport. And I I don't want them to neglect the integrity of NASCAR, the integrity of racing for entertainment. There's other ways Mm -hmm. you can change this. There's other ways you can do that without neglecting the integrity of what this sport was built on. So um, as, you know, as we go along, I just hope those comments aren't a philosophy more than just something that he said talking about group qualifying uh, and not a philosophy that the sanctioning body takes for, you know, a couple of years to come here uh, as we get ready. There was also talk guys, and, and I'll just touch on this quick about a gen seven race car and possibly uh, the cup series going to um, composite bodies by 2021. So that's something to keep an eye on too, uh, as, as the series moves forward here for the next couple of years, Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. Talking Circles, Clayton Caldwell with Spencer Cowan and Philip Matthew here tonight. Uh, a great show so far. We're having a lot of fun. Daytona 500 entry list is out. <coughs> 42 cars on the entry list for the Daytona 500. Um, there should probably be 44. If, if you've been following along and following closely to Speed Weeks, or to Silly Season, excuse me, and really to Speed Weeks, you know that uh, Victor Obeka announced sponsorship for his number 97 Toyota uh, it sounds like they're going to be down with Tanner Berryhill as a driver. Also, it looks like maybe J.J. Yaley will be down with NY Racing's number seven and John Cohen's team. Um, not, that's not official, obviously, because the entry list is out and they're not on it. But there's something to keep an eye on before we talk about this here. A um, couple of interesting names, guys, that I didn't see coming. Casey Mears, uh, he's going to drive it's sort of like a hybrid car between Jermaine Racing and uh, uh, Premium Motorsports. Also, you have Tyler Reddick, who's going to be running a third Richard Childress racing car as an open team. Justin Alexander's the crew chief over there. Simba Court is going to be the sponsorship on that car. Uh, we knew the 96 with, with the Gaunt Brothers racing team was coming down. Wasn't sure who the driver was until the entry list came out. Parker Kligerman's going to be in that 96 car. Joey Gase is in there. Brendan Gaunt's back with the 62 in Beard Motorsports, the car he ran on all the plates last season. Um, so a uh, bunch of open teams right now. There's six, potentially eight open teams going forward. Spencer, um, what are your thoughts on, on who might make this race and who's sort of in trouble in your eyes as making the Daytona 500? He came to no doubt. I think he'll make the race. Um, Ooh, I think Brendan gone safe. 
I don't know about that. I don't really know how to – Obeka or whatever. I don't really know about them. Um, ooh. Yeah, I know those two. I think Brennan Gaughan and Casey Mears are pretty safe. You guys are going to have to help me out on the other one. Um, <laughs> it's it's a very competitive field this year of cars. It really is. And, yeah, and, for sure. And uh, it makes you wonder if they saw the entry list of a couple of these teams and said, you know what, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll come to Atlanta when the field isn't as stacked. How about you, Philip? I mean, uh, the, 120, the 150s are, are my favorite races of the year. Uh, I wish it wasn't charters. I wish we had, you know, the, the standard top 15, you qualify into the Daytona 500, the rest go by qualifying, your qualifying speed or um, uh, your points, your provisionals, but that's not the case anymore. I, I wish it was still like that. So there's going to be two spots open in each, one spot open in each duel, two spots from the duels and two from qualifying and two fastest from qualifying who are not already locked in via the charter. So those are your cars. That's how the teams will qualify for the Daytona 500. Uh, what are your thoughts there? Philip, do you think, um, you know, Tyler Reddick's another guy, uh, Xfinity Series champion last year, yeah, RCR, I, he's, he, I think he's got a great chance of making this 500. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, I was, I mean, Tyler Reddick made that move in large part because he saw the opportunity to eventually move up to the Cup Series because RC likes to bring up these guys from the Xfinity series and eventually into a cup car. He's given that opportunity now to Hemrick and with his grandsons, obvious and more obviously with, you know, Bubba being a secondary connection. I think that 31 is a lock. Uh, they'll qualify in. Uh, and I'm almost certain of it. He may be a dark horse candidate for the front row. I know we're going to talk about that later. Um, it's a dark horse candidate, I say, because obviously there's other ones I think. Uh, of all the open teams, I think that's the one that no matter whether it's through qualifying, whether it's through the 150 races, that car is going to make it into the show. Uh, for 44 cars, because there wasn't, I don't even know if they didn't really have, I, this was probably one of the bigger fields they had last year. I remember the days of six, you talk about the days of, you know, the 125s actually meaning something and, 50-plus cars showing up and all that. Those days are long gone, obviously, with all the things they've done. But in terms of this field, of this race, I think those Chevys, uh, the three, the two that Spencer mentioned with Mears and that freaking Jay Robinson, who's got like four or five cars. I don't know how this guy <laughs> – I don't know where this guy comes up. I, I need to go – he needs to write a book or something. I don't know where this guy makes money. He runs in the back in every freaking series. I don't know where he comes up with his money and all this stuff to be able to run in every series. It's beyond me. It's made no sense. It made no sense when he started years ago. It still makes no sense now. Um, it's printing money at the race Rob shop. Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, whatever. I mean, he's freaking Rob Kaufman's great I, grand idea because he dealt with MW55. Uh I figure Brendan gone. They spent a lot of money and energy on these races, whether it's time or by by the race he'll get in. Those are the two, the 31 and the 62. I think that Casey Mears is his first race in a couple of years, but the fact is I don't think that Bob Germain is theoretically going to waste his time to try to put out a second car out there with Casey Mears if he didn't think he could make the race. Clickerman in the 96. 
the Quigerman in the 96 last year, they made it with DJ Kennington, uh, mm-hmm. former cast car Canadian Tire Series, whatever they call it anymore, Pinty Series champion. And they have a relatively fast car, the Gaunt Brothers, or Gaunt, yeah, Gaunt Brothers Racing, and around where I, I think after that, once we move past those guys, that's where it starts getting a little sketchy in terms of whether they can make the show or what they're going to have to do. To, they're going to have to race their way in probably uh, on Thursday to have a chance or they're going to have to make a deal with somebody who made it in by speed to move over and make it in because the dual races are, are just a precursor of what's going to happen in two Sundays from now, which is probably going to try either they're going to run around on the top or they're going to wreck each other. And then you're going to yeah. back in, you know, Phil Barkdahl style or something. Delma <laughs> Coward style. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no doubt. I, it's interesting because there's there's a group of, of drivers you t- touched on them for sure with Casey Mears, Tyler Reddick, um, Brendan Gaughan. Those all those guys are going to have RCR and ECR engines, I should say. Uh, so they're going to have the horsepower to make the Daytona 500. I think qualifying they're going to be in pretty good shape, and you would think one of those three teams would race their way into the Daytona 500, so the other one would get in on their speed. Um, the fourth guy, the fourth driver and team is going to be interesting. You know, because you have really, uh, like I said, three or four really big-time teams that can make this race, and then three or four teams where you sit there and you go, Ugh, their work's going to be cut out for them. If you say Obeka and NY Racing are going to come down. Because then you, you talk about Kligerman. Um, I think he's got some skill, no doubt about it. But Ryan Truex is running for Tommy Baldwin, our guy up here up about in the Northeast. Yeah. And he hasn't yeah. run a race as a car owner in a long time. This is, I think, a, an older chassis. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what engine he's going to have in there. I would guess an ECR engine in that as well. Joey Gase, I think he might have some trouble making the race as well. Um, so there's a group of four that look, you'd think, are in one group, and then there's a group of four in another uh, group. But that's what makes this racing so interesting with these 120, 150s. I, I want to call them 125s. 150s yeah. uh, is what makes it so interesting, why Daytona is so interesting. Um, I want to get you guys' opinion on something that I talked about earlier, and I, I just want to get your opinion on it, both of you, quick, before we move on to something else. Um, how do you feel about Speed Weeks and the future of Speed Weeks? And I, I, I'm going to go off a little bit of tangent here, so stay, stay with me here. Um, I feel like right now, Speed Weeks, I love them. And I, I talked about my love for the 150s. I'm, I'm in a process of, of trying to put together a book about the 125s, the history of it. So I love the 125s, 150s. I think they're amazing races. But these races, aside from this year, and I think this year is a little bit of an outlier because this is the last time we're going to run with this restrictor plate package on these racetracks. Uh, you know, as we touched on, they're going to run a different package at the three uh, super speedway races the rest of the year and, and forever. So really, they're getting rid of these. These teams are starting to, to disperse these cars get rid of these race cars. I think that's part of the reason why you saw a 2017 come down, but because they sit there and go, I got this extra super speedway car. I got nothing to do with. Let's put it out there and see if we can make the Daytona 500. Um, the 96, I think is sort of sitting there going, we're not really sure about what we're going to do the rest of the year. The 62 is only committed to Daytona this year. They haven't committed to the other search plate races like they did last year. So I think that's why we see such a large field with the 125s, 150s this year. Um, 
with that being said, you know, last year we saw 40 cars make it with 40, 40 spots. It, there was a lackluster. David Gilliland wrecked in the 92 car and made it to the 2500. It was a very lackluster uh, 150s last year. And I feel about the, the, uh, the advanced auto parts clash. I like that they put an old school spin on it by calling it clash. But that race drives me crazy because it used to be just pole winners. And now they got pole winners and chase drivers and anybody else they want to kind of finagle the rules to get in. And it seems kind of pointless, I guess is what I'm getting at. So uh, I've made a prediction. I just want to hear you guys' opinion on this. That in the next decade, one of these two preliminary events at Daytona is going to go away. Whether it's the 125, 150s or whether it's the Clash, one of these two – and I'll tell you why. Because I think these owners are going to sit there. The RTA is going to sit there and go, why am I running all these races with tearing up race cars when it really does nothing for me? Sure, the Clash is in the afternoon, but the 150s are at night. They can't learn anything for the Daytona 500 like they used to. So I think one of these two races are going to be are going to be uh, going to go away here, and and they're going to condense speed weeks. I think the owners are going to sit there and go, okay, now that you've taken away one race, we want to condense speed weeks into one week, make it like a, a Wednesday to Sunday show, run whatever event you want to run and however you want to pitch it, do qualifying and, and do all the practices and everything, and make it an extra long weekend, but cut down significantly <coughs> on speed weeks. Um, Spencer, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think? You, you'll see a, a condensed speed weeks here in the next 10 years. Uh, do you think the hype for the 125s in the, in the clash is there? What are your thoughts? You made a good point on the duels. If there are only 40 cars that enter and there's 40 spots, well, then they're pointless. You're out there taking a risk of tearing up your race car, and teams don't want to do that. The clash is exciting. It's like a mini all-star race. But there's no point in running it. It's only 75 laps. So these teams are building an extra car just because you won a pole in the previous year or you won the Daytona 500 back in 2010. Like Jerry McMurray, that was eight years ago, and you're still getting rewarded and you have to build a race car just to go race. Uh, the duels, like, they're, they are kind of pointless. Uh, you know, if there want to be 40 cars that come down, well, then you get single-car runs. And if you're speed and you don't qualify good enough, well, then you go home. Uh, these, you know, I, these these owners are – the cost is going to be – it's already outrageous. And for them to take a risk of tearing up their Daytona 500 car and then it's destroyed, there's $350,000 gone. Um, right. So, I mean – I think it's going to be gone real soon. You know, me and you were texting. You told me it was the last time, and I started thinking, well, you know, it's, it's kind of pointless. So I think it's going to be probably within maybe the next three years, four years. I don't think it's going to take as long as a decade. But uh, if anything goes, it's definitely going to be the duels. They'll keep the clash, but I think the duels will go first. And how about you, Philip? I think the only thing saving both of these races right now is Daytona's making a lot of money. And it's the beginning of the year where everybody's craving for racing. They don't care really how they get it. Um, but what are your thoughts on, on, on what I proposed there a little bit ago about maybe condensing speed weeks down to five or six days instead of the 11, 12 days we see right now? Well, I take it. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying and I look at it as an, on another perspective in terms of the Indianapolis 500, which is basically the, the, 
race that the biggest race for IndyCar is obviously one of the biggest races in the world. And it used to be the month of May. Now it's the two weeks of May. And even that is kind of, you know, they have two days of qualifying and then they have like a couple, they have a handful of practices and and they have a practice the day after qualifying and doing whatever. In this case, when you're talking about the Daytona 500, it always used to be there. There used to be a lot of cars, a lot of opportunity. You had ARCA teams would be going and trying to go and try their way and get their way in there. A couple Bush teams, Xfinity teams would try. There used to be a, a, a turnout. Now there's right. no turnout. They've they've made it so they've narrowed the field ever since they like they did that top thirty five in points nonsense years ago. And this is yep. the same thing. It's just a different name. Uh they ever since they started narrowing the field and now they've gotten to the point where they don't even have enough cars where they cut the field down. There used to be forty three cars for the Daytona five hundred. Now they don't even have forty three cars showing up for this race. There was right. they used to have forty three cars. So do I think the, the the point is the duels, in my opinion, are a waste of time. Uh, they have become a waste of time. The only reason they're there theoretically is because of tradition and how you race in your duel decides your spot to start the race, which in turn decides your pit position. But in mm-hmm. in my to tell me that you're going to run sixty laps, run one pit stop, the possibility of writing your cars off. And to go for pit position, we've seen right. with the qual. We talked about qualifying just now, and people were willing to throw qualifying and throw out their pit position just so they could get through and get an edge. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the Daytona 500, you know there's going to be wrecks, and you know there's going to be some idiot that loses their mind and wrecks half the field. It doesn't matter where you're pitting. If you go and pit in the front, pit in the back, you go and start in third, or you start in thirtieth you might get wrecked anyway. So right. it's it, the, the duels in my estimation in the, if you're talking about 10 years, there's going to be a move where the duels probably aren't going to exist because there's not going to be enough cars. There's no justification. Uh, the right. clash minus the Danica rule. Um, <laughs> once they get rid of that nonsense and all the, Oh, this person's in the chase and this person went and, and 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 said the right thing in 2012, and oh, that makes them eligible. And and this thing, oh, he had his this hair color in 2014, so that makes <laughs> him eligible to go. Uh, I mean, it's the the stupidity of they change the rules every year, yep. and I yep. call the one rule the Danica rule because there was that was the justification to put her in the race when she had no business being in any race. But that's a whole other discussion. We talked about that. Um, yeah, yeah. Offline, but uh, the the point is here. It's pole winners, and there's plenty of pole winners last year that you could have had a pretty decent race by itself. Yeah. If you made the chase and you couldn't win a pole, I mean, it doesn't matter. You have the all star race. You know that's that's what the all star race is for. And even then, there's 16 drivers. Nearly half the field makes the freaking chase anyway. Yep. There should be a value to winning a pole. There should be a value to making the all-star race. There is no, they, they've take, they've devalued those two entities, which is product of what Brian France and what has gone on, you know, over these past 17, 18 years. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Short, they're going to keep, they're going to keep this race. They're going to keep what we're going to see on Sunday because in a sense, mm-hmm. it's a, a mini test 
for the following week. And the fact that they insist on having about half of the field in the race every year means that people are going to invest a little bit of energy to try to go and win this race. It's win. It's a win at Daytona. People, it, it yeah. doesn't matter how a win at Daytona means something, no matter what race it is. And they're going to want them to win that. The duels, I mean, they make die They make crappy diecast off the duel wins mainly because it's like Chase Elliott and Ryan Blaney last year. Uh, but it's like though the the duels are irrelevant. The the clash has that cachet of, you know, pole winners and it has Buddy Baker winning and it has Durwood and it has Dale Senior winning it six times and Jeff Gordon and the only win, the major win that Rusty Wallace and Mark Martin had at Daytona was that race. And and so I mean there so it has a cachet and I think it'll be they'll keep that. If that if that's what the basis is, they'll keep that, they'll get rid of the the, the duels. Yeah, I, I agree. I just think the owners are eventually going to come out and say, hey, what are we doing here? Why, why are we running this race when we don't need to? It's a practice session. Um, and, and, you know, you can, you can save people a lot of time and money by – I mean, teams send their, their team members home anyway, usually Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday uh, between the break uh, for Speed Week. So, you know, it's not like they're down there and, and working on their race cars. And, and unfortunately with the rules, how tight they've gotten, I don't think there's a lot you can – it used to be, you know, when the rules were open and, and these teams weren't as – as uh, you know, it, it, you could learn a lot, and that's part of the reason why preseason thunder is gone is because they kind of sit there and go, "We're just making laps. We're not really learning anything." Um, so, and I feel the same way about speed weeks. They're cutting down on practice immensely, and, and it's because there's really not a lot of of things you can do to these race cars anymore. You kind of got what you got, and uh, you can make tweaks here and there for sure, but it's not like you're making monumental changes um, like they used to do. So I, I just kind of wanted to pick your brain on that. And here's one thing else, and before we move on, I, I want to get your picks for the Clash and the 8500 qualifying. And, and I've been told this will never work, but I just kind of want to pick your brains on it. Uh, a last-chance qualifier race. Let's say they take out the duels, okay? And the duels are no longer around, and we just have the uh, Clash, and it's just pole winners, hopefully, because I agree with you. I think it's stupid. They, they do a rule every year. They should do, I think – pole winners and maybe the rookie of the year from the year before. I think that would be cool. You get the rookie of the year, some exposure. I'd be all right with that. Um, and, and then they say, you know what? We're going to run a 20 lap last chance race at the, at, at during speed weeks on a Thursday after qualifying or before qualifying. We're going to, uh, excuse me, after qualifying for everybody that doesn't have a charter, uh, we're going to run you in the last chance race. The top two who weren't already qualified in under speed will, will race their way in, in, now, you're going to sit there, and I know what you're going to say. The first thing you're going to say is, well, if we did it this year, we don't have eight cars, for sure. But if that little bit of a carrot, if that thing's out there and you say you take the top two cars, will that entice more teams to come down and say, hey, I can make the Daytona 500. All i got to do is win this 20-lap last chance race or finish second in it, and I can make the Daytona 500. Could we see 13, 14 cars and make it a very interesting 20-lap last chance race? What are your thoughts on that, Philip? I mean, it's it's an interesting concept. I I haven't. I mean, they had the hooligan race for years at Charlotte for the Bush series, and that hooligan. They had the hooligan race for the the Clash uh, years ago, and I think Jimmy Spencer won it the one year with a Ford Thunderbird when they had changed to the the Ford Taurus in '98, and he brought out a Ford Thunderbird and he won the hooligan race to make the the big show later that day. Uh, 
for the 500 to make it more interesting watching what it would do is it would give those small and basically teams that have all these teams are all kind of interconnected. If you really get into the, into the semantics of it, they're all, they have some sort of, it's like a CD underworld when it comes to these teams, some of these teams. And, but if they really had to race and they had a chance to race in, and it was really about that and they didn't have to theoretically worry about speed, I'm, I mean, the way it is now, I have a hard time believing that it would increase car count enough to where there would be 20 cars or 25 cars. There might be 15, 16 cars, which in the end, when you talk about 36 cars already locked in, you have a 52-car turnout, you might have something. that If it gets that far, you're talking about K&N teams decide they may take a shot at it. You have Xfinity and truck teams that are not directly involved. You're going to go and have a ARCA effort that might come back again. Okay. I, I mean, I wouldn't mind it. I love I, It doesn't matter. You're going to go and tell me there's going to be a race um, and, it's, and I, there's something to it. I'm more than likely going to watch it anyway. I'm going to watch the ARCA race um, on Saturday, even though I know what is going to happen because the same thing has happened for the last 40 plus years, but the reality is I'm still going to watch. So if you go and have a hooligan race to make the Daytona 500, I think it would be more interesting than a dual race anyway. Absolutely. It used to be that way. And plus, you don't have to pay for a pit crew with a 20-lap race. I think that's huge. That's a big expense for a lot of race teams, these smaller teams. They sit there and go, well, i got to pay for a pit crew. Sure, you get a lot of that money back because of the 150s. They, they do pay money for that race, um, which is obviously different than everything else. But they don't have to do that with the 20-lap qualifying race, and you can make more money. Um, by sitting there going, okay, we're not going to have to pay for a pit crew. Or what, or what happens on pit road really doesn't matter. Uh, we really don't have to pay for a full set of tires. We could run 20 laps on it. We don't have to pay for a full set of a tank of gas, more than a tank of gas. So I think it's be cheaper cost, be an interesting option. But I don't know if the sanctioning body would want to do that because they seem to think that you know 11 cars in a race in a short race is not a good enough race for them. Spencer, what are your thoughts uh, on this whole Speed Weeks thing? And, and before we move on to uh, get our picks for the Clash and, and Daytona 500 qualifying. It's too long. I mean, you have, you know, the Clash is Saturday. I mean, the Arca race Saturday and the Clash. And if I ain't mistaken, they used to be on the same day. So now you've got two days, one week before the Daytona 500. Nothing happens for the first three days. Thursday's the duels. Friday's the truck. Xfinity on Saturday. And then you got the Daytona 500 on Sunday. I love when July comes around. It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and they get the heck out of Daytona. But, um, yeah, I think they can definitely shorten it, that's for sure. And, you know, not drag it on, not drag it on so far. Because a lot of people don't come down a week before the Daytona 500. So who, who goes to the Clash? I went to the Clash last year, and there was nobody. So it's the TV that really, uh, I, I think, is what keeps that race alive. But, again, you know, it's just me spitballing stuff, guys. You know, I, I'm a thinker, and I like, I love this stuff. This stuff makes me, uh, it, I love it. So, <laughs> and that's the only reason why I, I brought it up. But yeah. uh, let's get, let's get talk about, about. Uh, let's talk about the Daytona 500 qualifying uh, before we talk about the the Advanced Auto Parts Clash qualifying first. So we're going to do it in that order. Um, you know, Hendrick Motorsports has seemed to be very strong here in Daytona in February every year. They seem to have a really fast race cars. Um, and, and there's this conspiracy, Spencer, 
a lot of people have the Daytona conspiracy, whether it was Austin Dillon, Danica Patrick, et cetera, et cetera, um, that the Daytona 500 is quote unquote, the poll for the Daytona 500 is quote unquote fixed uh, in recent years because it always seems to be a storyline. Jeff Gordon's last Daytona 500, he said on the poll. So, uh, what are your thoughts on this Daytona 500 poll? Alex Bowman said on it last year, the first year without Dale Hart Jr. A lot of people thought, well, maybe it's to get Alex Bowman some exposure. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on the polls? Is it, do you think it's a fix? Do you think it's a, a coincidence? And who you got fixed for winning the poll butt. for the 500? <laughs> fixed my butt. Um, I mean, I don't think it's fixed. I mean, you... I mean, how can it be fixed? You go out there and you put your pedal to the metal and you hold the steering wheel straight. So, I mean, I guess that's just how NASCAR is. It's known to make great stories, that's for sure. I mean, I mean, it wasn't fixed when Austin Dillon won the Daytona 500 20 years from when Dale Earnhardt did. So, um, I mean, it's gonna hard. It's gonna be hard not to go with the nine car. I mean, he was on it two years in a row and. Like you mentioned, Alex Bowman. So Hendrick Motorsports des- definitely has the single car speed, that's for sure. So it's going to be hard for me not to go with those, the 88 and the 9. How about you, Philip? I mean, uh, Hendrick's been really, really, really fast here in recent years. And what about that? Cons- I-, I hate to bring up conspiracy theories because I think they're kind of uh, – I don't want to put a black eye that people would say this, but um, it-, it-, it is something I know that gets a lot of play on Reddit, gets a lot of play out there on social media. Uh what are your thoughts on that, and, and who do you think will win the poll for the dates on the 500? And, sit, and then sit on the outside row if you have that. Yeah, I, I mean it's something that uh, one of the pages that I'm that I frequent on Facebook we discuss the um, uh, what I like to call how convenient um, certain people seem to get on poll, and it's been that way since 2013. Uh, especially with, I mean, more recently with Chase. Um, but to me, I think, I mean, I, I mean, it's funny to talk about, and it's a great thing. It, it gets people talking. Of course, you get people called Sirius XM Radio, and then they get all, get those, you know, mongoloids all mad that, that host the shows. Oh, my God, you can't be serious. That can't be possible. It's like, sorry, it just works out that way. You want me to believe... You want me to believe everything in the world, and you're just freaking naive. You know, I don't. I mean, at the end of the day, Hendrick Motorsports has always been. You know, Chevys in general have always been fast at Daytona. It's it, but then Fords have had their moments. Dodge when they came back in 2001, they swept the front row with Bill Elliott and Stacy Compton. So the mm-hmm. point is the conspiracy and the and the great stories and all that has gone on for a long time. If you want to get crazy, if you want to really investigate, uh, to me, I remember Talladega them Stuart Haas cars. At least in the first race, the Stuart Haas cars were pretty fast. And heck yeah, I figure, I figure it'll be a split front row. I figure, I'll. I mean, I'm I, just to be different from Spencer. I'll, I'll go and say the bowling master himself, Eric Almirola, because I watched him in the Chris Paul celebrity bowling thing, and they were that Rob Stone, that piece of crap who was saying terrible things about racing, and I wanted to tweet him so bad, but I held myself <laughs> back. The guy's such a douche. He's a freaking soccer, freaking pumpkin. That's a whole other thing. But I'm going to say Eric Almirola, who was a half lap away from winning the Daytona 500 last year and won at Talladega, 
in the playoff. We'll say I'm going to say Eric Almirola in on the pole for the Daytona 500 in the 10 car, and I'll say Chase Elliott on the outside front row in a Hendrick Motorsports number nine, Napa Auto Park Chevy. And uh, at least you got one Hendrick car in there. <laughs> yeah, I, I figure I figure a Hendrick car is going to, and I and I and I really have a feeling about Tyler Reddick. I think Tyler Reddick will probably, if he doesn't time in, if he doesn't somehow another shock everyone and put it on the front row, Mike Skinner style. Uh, he'll probably be, you know, top 10, top 15, and definitely time his way into the 500. Well, I'll say this. Um, I, I, agree, I would agree with you about Reddick, just because I think they're going to be focusing more on qualifying than everybody else because they got to get in on time. So you could see somebody maybe like Amir's or somebody sneak up and have a really, really good time that, like, I'm talking about like maybe top 15, top 10, where you don't expect Mears to do that because you look at that and you go, eh, they're not really a, an established race team. But they could go out and do that because I think they're going to be focused on qualifying and focusing on making qualifying runs where everybody else might be in, in looking at, uh, you know, drafting speed so, and, and, and drafting setup. So I'm going to add to the conspiracy. I hate to do this, but uh, it, it's a very likely thing to happen. So, but, and that's what makes these conspiracies so crazy is because you can kind of, if, if 15 drivers sat on the pole, you could kind of create a story of why they would want them to sit on the pole for the Daytona 500. But I'm going to go with Daniel Suarez in the 41 car, the first foreign born driver to sit on the pole for the Daytona 500, uh, sort of a resurgence for him at Stuart Haas racing. Um, so I think that will, he'll be sitting on the pole for the Daytona 500. And, uh, I guess on the outside row, I'm going to go, with uh, Jimmy Johnson in the 48, I think he's got a chance to be really fast during speed weeks. Yeah, I, you fooled me. I, was, I never would have guessed Daniel Suarez. <laughs> I, I uh, was thinking about going with with seven time. I really thought about going seven time, and I had. Yeah, so I mean, that's a good one. That's a interesting. I, I really do think that 48 probably. If it is the, the Hendrick cars, it's probably going to be in line with the 48. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch him race because I think he's got he's a man on a mission this year. He's sort of like, you know, I always compare that team to the 48 team, uh, and I'm, we'll get your class picture in a second. I always compare that 48 team to the New England Patriots, and it's sort of like everybody this year with the New England Patriots, hey, uh, they're old, they're not as good as they were, duh, 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 and Jimmy's sort of like Tom Brady going, oh, yeah, we're going to show you. So I, I think he should be somebody to keep an eye on here for the rest uh, – for 2019 as the season gets going. Uh, advanced Auto Parts Clash, guys, uh, Sunday afternoon after qualifying. Uh, real quick, we got about um, I'd, you know, a few minutes left, but uh, what do you guys think about who is going to run good there? Do you think the Fords are going to be good? Remember, they got a new body this year, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they perform uh, on their first race out ever. Do you think that will affect them like it did Chevrolet last year? Um, obviously, it might not affect them during speed weeks, but throughout the rest of the year. Uh, Spencer, we'll start with you, your pick for the advanced auto parts clash uh, and who you think is going to run really good. I think it's a no brainer. Let's just go with the whole team Penske. I mean, look what Brad and Joey Logano have been able to do on restrictor plate racetracks. It's uh, pretty remarkable. You know, every time they pull into a restrictor plate, you know, they definitely got to be on top of your list. Um, I mean, look at last year's Daytona 500, Ryan Blaney, was definitely the class of the field. I think I texted you with about 10 to go and said, I think Ryan Blaney is going to walk away a winner, but unfortunately that didn't happen. So team Penske is definitely 
Team Penske is definitely going to run good. And when they when those three get together, they're hard to break up at the front of the pack. So uh, Hamlin, he's another threat at restricted plate racetracks. So those four are definitely the top picks to go with. How about you, Philip? I mean, uh, we we've seen guys here go out and um, and run really good. How about Ryan Newman, maybe in his first run for Rash Fenway ever? Rash Fenway's been pretty good on the play tracks. Stenhouse two years ago was was, was very very good. Uh, what what about Newman and, and maybe Rash Fenway and, and others in this clash? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, it would be great for No Neck to run well in the Wiener Mobile. I mean, you can't write that. You, you Bob Poplis couldn't write a headline like that. Uh, uh, people like that and, you know, have Newman in the sixth car winning in, in the class. That'd be something, the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile, that'd be awesome. I wouldn't, I mean, it'd be hilarious uh, to me. But uh, what Spencer said, I'm biased because who my favorite driver is. Uh, he's the defending champion of this race. He's the odd, fa- he's the current money line favorite for the Daytona 500. Uh, Bradley is pretty dang good at these uh, plate races, and so is Joey. I do believe for Sunday. I mean, if it's gonna if it's gonna be a Penske guy, I'm, I'm, we'll go with you know YRB. We'll go Ryan, young Ryan Blaney, uh, Sands mullet, Sands mustache, and all that stuff. Because the captain told him to shave, and <laughs> and and uh, I do believe the Fords because they made they did a lot of work and the way that car looks to be completely honest it looks just like last year's car it's a little bit more i guess squared up theoretically but the front and rear clips are the same front and rear clips it's just stickers and whatever aesthetics so if based on that knowing Roush Yates makes great horsepower i do believe that i'll say YRB wins on Sunday and but you know, Denny Hamlin going and referencing something that you did uh, yesterday, talking about that 11 car and Christopher Bell and stuff like that. Um, Hamlin, I think, is a two- or three-time winner of this race. He won it as a rookie in his first or second or one of his first races he ran in that. It was 11 his first car. clash, yeah. Yeah, it was his first clash. He, he won the pole of Phoenix. And uh, so you'd think somebody who hadn't won a race in a while, he'd probably be a little hungry. I, I think that the Toyotas will uh, show something, and you know that Hendrick is hungry and Chase because he's the savior of the sport. They want him up there and seven time and all that. But I mean, I I honestly believe it'll be a good race. I I hope so um, because theoretically, when you consider that next week, once they're done with next week's race, the package is going to change. I mean, the cars are going to be the same but the engines and how they do certain arrow is going to be different. I would hope it's a good race because it's a precursor yeah. to what we're going to see a week from now and right. what is the most important. So I'll say yeah, like a YRB. A couple of years ago uh, during the Daytona 500, one of the drivers who ran really good was Kyle Larson. He probably should have won that race. He was making moves that were unbelievable in that Daytona 500. Yes, I'm going to go with him. I think mm-hmm. he's going to come back have a really strong 2019, and it's going to start in the Advanced Auto Parts Clash at Daytona International Speedway. I want to thank Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan for a, a great show tonight, and we'll see you next week here on Talking Circles as we get ready for Speed Week's 2019. It's almost here, folks. We'll see you next time. Good night.